Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and we are well into spring 2023. This month, Coach Joe Krawczyk is out, and I'm solo in the studio, but not completely alone. I have a special guest today that this is a dream come true for me, and happened to find out he was in town presenting at a Perform Better Summit, One Day Summit, and uh, reached out to him, and he is in the studio. Coach Martin Rooney, welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here, and the trip so far, seeing the campus, it's been a dream for me too, so I'm excited to share with everybody today. Well, man, Coach, again, you, you've been more than gracious and generous with your time and expertise. When I saw you coming to town, I could not pass up the opportunity to reach out, so thank you for being here. My pleasure, and hey, a lesson to everybody listening, my mom always used to say, don't ask, don't get. Right. So I got a text from Donnie. He said, Hey, I heard you're going to be in town. Would you, could I pick you up and show you around? And one, he asked. And then number two is, Hey, opportunities are everywhere, but they're only good if you take them. And I took the opportunity, said yes. And man, we've already had an amazing day. And I can't wait to see what we're going to cover on this podcast. Awesome. Good stuff, coach. So true. For our listeners, uh, this is the Team Behind the Team podcast, and you're talking to sports med, strength conditioning, sports science, nutrition, and mental health. So just for our listeners, take a brief moment and just give us a little bit of your background up to, I mean, what, 30 years in the profession? (laughs) There's a lot there. I I know it's a big task, but I think you can do that, Coach. Just quick background of what you've done. All right. Well, I'm going to go really quick here. I grew up in New Jersey originally and ended up really fallen in love with the sport of track and field and track and field, uh, got me my opportunity to college. I was, I went to Furman university in South Carolina. I was a school record and four time all conference performer in the javelin. And when that ended, I had a degree in exercise science. My mom was a phys ed teacher. So I was always interested in health and, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so many people told me, Oh, you can't just go be a a coach, which is so funny because that's what I became. They said, you should do physical therapy. Physical therapy is hot and upcoming. You should do that. And so I applied to therapy school, went to the Medical University of South Carolina. And with only a semester left in a weird twist of fate, I made the U.S. bobsled team. So I was still in shape because of track, make the bobsled team and uh, take a semester off, compete for the U.S., come back, finish my degree, and then for the next few years was on the U.S. bobsled team, living at the Olympic Training Center, representing in the stars and bars, and, and got my taste of traveling the world and high-level training at the you know highest level of athletes I could be around. When my Olympic dream ended, I became a therapist. And I got to tell you, for everybody listening, this was a big crossroads for me where I liked it, but I didn't love it. I I liked helping people, but I knew I had a bigger passion and that passion was still fitness and exercise and athletics. And I wanted to figure out how I could fuse that physical therapy background and all the experiences that I'd had and help other people that wanted to reach their dreams. And I started going to courses. So every weekend, I would go to courses. Now, this is almost still pre-internet. This is the late 90s. It's kind of pre-internet. You could barely get your hands on a book. And I'm going to courses, and on one of them, I'm sitting next to a guy named Bill Parisi on the plane. 
Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. By the end of the trip, we're best friends. He says, man, I've got this company. You got to come move, you know, move and work for me. And I did it. And it was uh, probably, you know, after 17 years later of doing that, best stuff I ever did. Got to work with NFL teams, NFL Combine, all these different fighters. And that experience, we ended up having 100 locations across the country, millions of kids being trained with the systems that we created. And it led to my adventures around the world, which then led to training great fighters and my other company training for warriors, which at its zenith had 300 and something locations around the world with 10,000 people a day doing the training. And now that takes me to <laughs> pretty much here where COVID was a really tough time. I didn't get to be me and on the road and doing what I do, but I did get to spend a lot of time with my kids. I have four daughters, and uh, and in that span too, now I live in uh, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And so, guys, that might have seemed long, but that was thirty years I just covered as fast as I could. Super fast, yeah, great, good stuff, Coach. I think one of my, one of my favorite. We share a common bond, Coach Rooney. <laughs> not we both have. We're obviously married, and we have four daughters, so we have been commiserating today in a good way. So. Uh, Coach, what have you been up to lately? Anything? I know you're back on the road. It looks like COVID was tough for a lot of us, not just in you know the private sector and public sector, but also college and the pro. I mean, everybody went through a tough time, but looks like you're coming back and just strong. What have you been up to? Yeah, so the, the world is opening back up, which excites me, where for a period of time, like I'm definitely not the guy you lock up in the basement and don't let me go anywhere. And, and I really got tired of just doing meetings over Zooms. But during COVID, where I did use my time wisely, I wrote two books, uh, one amazing, about coaching yeah. called Coach to Coach and another one about how to coach for culture called High 10. They're both stories and each one is linked together. And those books have become like a passport where now I'm getting a lot of invitations, not just talking to, say, uh, sports complexes and universities, but the last few weeks I've been presenting at uh, uh, one organization called the YPO, which is uh, really powerful business owners. So to be in that organization, I think you have to be under 50, but have a company that's like worth 50 million. But then I've also been sharing this concept of culture with individual businesses as well. So so that has kept me busy, but now this year's getting pretty loaded. So I got Australia on the board, Germany on the board, Northern Ireland on the board, besides just all the travel that I usually do between Perform Better and the fitness stuff. So I'm excited because after a few years off, I'm raring to get back to it. I want to circle back. You said something <laughs> there that struck a chord with me for sure that I've noticed a trend at the end of the day, right, you and I, we're, we're dealing with human behavior and how do you modify and change and influence that so that it's at a higher level. And you're seeing it. It's not just in sport, but there's a hunger and desire to change cultures. Because if you can go in, whether you're a consultant, a coach, or just an observant, and go in and do something to positively change the culture so that it's better and people work together as a group, you can win, and people are just they're hungry hungry to win right now. Absolutely, and and I guess the 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 similar term is team, right? Like so, whether you're a business or you're a sports team or you're a university, you've got this group of people, and if and whenever there's a group of people, there's a culture. And what I really did, which I think was unique, is having built two businesses that had a, a combined 500 locations and was dealing with ultimately millions of people. I really learned the ins and outs of what I call the blueprint of culture. And that's what the book was about. And it really hit a nerve where it really showed people 
whether they had the culture they wanted or not, and that it could be engineered. And that's, I really do enjoy going in and helping businesses and teams do that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, he, he, uh, Coach Rooney talked to our staff today, for those listening, and did an incredible job. He said something today that kind of resonated, kind of to piggyback on what you just said, Coach, that if you allow a culture, if you if you if you see something you know it's not right, you know it's not right, other people know it's not right, but you allow it to continue, then you kind of give it a halfway, that's a halfway culture. You're just not committed. Yeah. Maybe speak to how do you... Yeah, so what we were talking about there is I was challenging everybody. So, and, I, and maybe everybody might not want to hear this, but you need to hear it. And Coach and I were just talking about it that, hey, if you want to be in the strength and conditioning field, then you got to kind of live the strength and conditioning a little bit, right? Like, so you've got to sell or do what you're selling. And what I was trying to get across was, say you don't get enough sleep, but yet, you know, it's hurting the performance of all your players, but they know you don't get enough sleep. They're not doing it. Well, because you tolerate that, your entire culture will lower itself to the lowest thing you tolerate. So that's why I think the standards of an organization or how high they are set will determine everything. So it's almost like, hey, what's the Texas way, right? Is the Texas way our kids don't get enough sleep and they don't eat right and ah, we're just winging it or we hope for good recruits? Or is the Texas way like, this is how we do it here. This is how we live it. And if you want to be part of this team, this is how it goes. And that's the power of culture when you have it either working in your favor or working against you. That's good. And uh, definitely when you, you say you, you holding that standard accountable, but also I think kind of to your point uh, I've seen over the years is making sure that you not only uh, set a standard, but then when you recruit, when you hire people and you onboard somebody for a business or for a team like we do here at Texas, like they got to be the right fit. Yep. Right. Because if not, then you're not going to be successful. Well, and, and that'll kill your culture, right? So the worst thing you can do is try to set a standard and then bring somebody in that isn't on that. Or even worse, allow somebody just because of either time served or uh, seniority get away with things that hurt your culture. So I always say that, that in my organizations, I will not be held hostage because somebody was there a long time or because they're my friend or anything else. And the, and the book, the book really covers it. it, it it's well, pretty good. neat how it does it. And it tells a, it's a sports story. So it's a football story, but it's also a business story too. So it, uh, you know, it gives people little wiggle room, but it's almost when I go into businesses or teams, I'll say, Hey, do you have a culture? And you know what they say a lot of times they say no. And the answer is no, no, you have a culture. You just didn't design it. Like you didn't decide what it is, but everybody's, there's an onboarding process when the kids come to Texas, whether you set it up or not. Right. And so I think it's almost this layer that we sometimes don't look at that. Hey, what do we stand for? What are our beliefs? What's our mission? What's our vision? We talked about it today, right? Hey, I believe the mission of every sports team at the university of Texas should be to win a national title right? Or the yeah, vision. True. And then in order to do that, then the mission every day, what do we got to do to get there? Well, then that should be eight hours of sleep, or that should be using sports science correctly, or that should be uh, using rehab if necessary, or, or how I have to do it. And by that being all understood, do you see how the path becomes real easy to get there? So uh, kind of, this is a good topic. I want to kind of peel back <laughs> another layer. You got me thinking now, when you're building a business or a team, um, and you're, you're interviewing people, like how, what are some things that you've learned, whether it's mistakes or things you've seen that's made a big difference, interviewing, 
you know, recruiting somebody to come be on your your team, your staff, your organization, kind of speak into that for a yeah. moment. Well, well, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is hire for uh, aptitude instead of attitude. And, and what do I mean by that is, oh, this person has three PhDs, right? And, oh, this person uh, had a 4.0 at this school or, and yet, you meet them and they're not a nice person or it doesn't seem like they get yeah. along with anybody yeah, or they can't affect anybody. But a lot of times it's almost like we've created so many standards. You do have to check the box, but I think that only gets to the interview. So, uh, you know, in my process now, I care more about who you are as a person and, and do you, are you really passionate about what you're doing versus how much school you had, right? And I learned that one from my dad. He, he ran businesses and said, hey, the Harvard degree gets you at least a second interview, but a jerk's a jerk and we're not hiring them, you know? So yeah. it was, you know, and you're not going to make, you're, you're not going to make a bad person into a good person, but you can teach a good yeah. person the stuff you need them to know. Coach, one of the funniest, I love what, thank, thank you for saying all that. One of the funniest quotes I've ever heard, and I kind of use it occasionally, but you can't send your ducks to Eagle School. Yep. I don't know where that came from, but it's like it's always stuck with me, you know. So anyway, <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, Coach, you have a, a saying that I love, and it's called Into the Roar. Yeah. Coach, what does that mean? <laughs> well, Into the Roar, and here's a great story on it. So in a few weeks, I will be cornering a UFC fighter named Jim Miller. He is he has the most fights and most wins, most submission attempts. I think he's top five in all-time time in the octagon. Uh, so he's, you know, future Hall of Famer and one of the most storied fighters in the history of the sport. I've been training him his entire career, even before he was in the UFC. And, uh, hey, in the fighting, there's ups and downs, right? And... As I was mentioning to the staff today, remember I said, man, sometimes to find the right thing at the right time and the right way to the right guy to say it could change everything. Right, and with right. Jim in particular, because he's such a close friend, I'm always trying to find that. And one of the hardest things in the world, I think, to deal with, but some of the most valuable is when when your, your athletes lose, right? See, I, I say you rarely learn much when you win, but man, you learn a lot when you lose. And, and Jim had had this really tough loss. I knew he was down and it was almost like we had to start the next camp, you know, the next training cycle and what's going to be our mantra. And Jim is a hunter and avid hunter, loves animals, you know, just into animals. And so I was looking for stories there and I found this powerful motivational story. And I guess, I, you know, I dub it into the roar. And what it is, is the short version is that the lions of uh, the jungle, they you know, the females are the ones that do all the hunting. The male, you know, the, the guy that runs the pride does less, right? But the females, when they're trying to chase a gazelle or something, they will drive them towards the lazy males and let the lazy males at least do this one particular job. And what it is, is when the gazelles get very close to the male, the male jumps up and roars as loud as he can. And what uh, the people, the researchers found studying these animals is that the gazelles, that even though there's a roar and there's this giant thing to be afraid of, the ones that run at that lion survive because that lion isn't there to catch them. It's just there to scare them. But it's the ones that, man, when they're in the face of that roar and they turn and run the other way, they run right into the waiting claws. Run of to their the, death. Yeah, to the female lions. And so the mantra became for us, hey, 
it's we know it's scary. There's not there's probably few things scarier than stepping into an octagon against a, a guy that wants to kill you who's so trained and the door closes and no one else can do anything about it. But yet I said, hey, man, but we got to move forward. We got to go into the roar. Right. We can't turn and run now like that. That's not going to work for us. We got to go into this hard. And, and he won that next fight. And right, you know, and then, you know, and then we just started typing into the roar to each other, into the roar, back and forth. And then the lion became a symbol of the training for my training for warriors, where that became this big logo and symbol on our, our facilities and part of our culture that everybody, every day at work is hard. You got to go into the roar every day. There's always a challenge. And then that became the name of my podcast. And, you know, so it, it just became a bigger and bigger thing. But the ultimate gist, now the long story short is every day there's going to be something that scares you, right? Like it's scary to eat right or it's scary to say the right thing or maybe it's scarier to go against what everybody is saying for what you know is right and to do it. Yeah, stand up. Yeah. But you got to stand up and you got to go into the roar. And, the, and if you do that often enough, long enough, great things are going to happen. I love it, Coach. That is, uh, that is a powerful, not only story, but you can just picture that. And how to apply that in your life too is very practical. Um, going back to you know the the thing that I love hearing you talk about, you've worked with MMA fighters for how long now? Twenty five years, Coach. What what has that been like training the fighters? You kind of touched on it a little bit, and then uh, what are some lessons you've learned? Uh, well, hey, I, I already gave one out, right? So how I got involved with the fighters is. This buddy of mine took me in his backyard, right? I was fresh off the bobsled team. I was 215 pounds, 1080, 100 meter, strong, fast. And this kid that was always weaker than me and whatever else, he said, hey, I bet I can beat you up. And I said, what? Beat me up? You're not beating me up. And we went in his backyard and guess what happened? You got beat up. <laughs> he beat me up a little bit. I was, I said, what's going on? He goes, hey, those Gracie guys, one of those guys just moved near here right from Brazil and I'm going there and this is where I'm learning that stuff. And I said, man, if you're learning this stuff, then I'm, I'm going to learn some of this stuff. And I went, it was in uh, downtown Manhattan on the top of a methadone clinic. It was a scary environment. I go in there. My first training partner, first day ever was Matt Serra. He went on to win the UFC championship and title. He's in the Hall of Fame. He ended up tearing my head off a bunch of times. And you know what, though? After the first few sessions, I could barely move, but I was into it, and I kept going back. So, like, first lesson is, hey, you got to take your lumps. Here's one that Henzo says a lot. He said, hey, you got to be the nail a long time before you ever get to be the hammer. Oh, I like that. I've never That's heard a good that. one. Yeah, he said, you got to be the nail a long time before you get to be the hammer. So I kept showing up. So I think maybe, guys... Hey, for everybody listening that's in strength and conditioning, the push-up is not as important of an exercise as the show-up, right? So mm -hmm. you got you to gotta keep showing up, whether it's tough or not. And then they took a liking to me, and they saw that I was this strong guy. And, and they said, what do you do? And I said, I was a therapist, and I'm into training. And then they said, hey, how about you train us for free, and we'll take you around the world as part of the team, right? And what would you say? Sign me up yeah, now. See, but see, when I ask most people, they say, I don't know what I would do. I'm scary. Wait, it's not for money. I got a family. I'm trying to build a business. But I said, I'll do it, right? Like, so again, going back to that idea about opportunity, there's opportunities every day. It's just a lot of people don't take them, right? Like it, they're all around you. Opportunities in any direction. And I took it. And, but when I jumped in, I didn't know anything. I was the first. There was nobody training MMA fighters for in the 90s for physical conditioning. It didn't even exist. 
and there was no time limits on the the rounds. There there was no weight classes. It was a free for all. So can you imagine how was I supposed to prepare somebody for that? It'd be like saying, "Hey, we're gonna get uh, ready for a football game. The football game. There's no time limit. It never ends, and who knows what's gonna happen, right? How do you train for that?" But made a lot of mistakes, but ended up developing a system through it, and uh, but ultimately. I think the the bigger, you know, you said about lessons is the reason I've stayed in it so long, though, was the personal relationships. And I think by them always knowing that I cared about them more than I cared about me. If that, And I talked about that today in the group. So for everybody listening, if you want to be great in coaching somebody else, you got to learn to get more excited about somebody else than you. And I was just always that guy for them. And that led to the greatest adventures around the world. The thing I love, Coach, about everything just hearing you today and now is like you just – not only do you love your trade or profession, but you care about people. And, I mean, I think today, you know, we work with a very specific population of kids, 18 to 21. With COVID kids, they're 22 now, so they're a little, one year older. But they can tell, like, if you really care – they can tell, one, do you love your job? Because you talked about enthusiasm and being infectious today. Like kids pick that up today. And they also can tell authentically, do you really care about them? And if you can get those two things down, you can really make a difference. And so I love that about about the core values you, you talk well, about. Well, those are they're the holy grail. And and hey, maybe this podcast becomes a checkup point for everybody listening. Are you in this job because you're passionate about it? You care about people and you want to help them, or did you just kind of you just been doing this a long time and, and it's okay either answer, but I would challenge you then go find what you're passionate about, but don't, don't either steal or hurt the passion of somebody else or somebody else's future. Cause you're not into it enough. And I think that is uh that was a big message that I had for everybody today was not, you know, like you said, one was developing that trust. If you don't have that trust, everything else is built on that. But there's also that authenticity, right? Like they saw it. Remember I said, I said to the group today, Hey, do you think I'm enthusiastic about coaching? You know, and, 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 and who do you think I'm enthusiastic about? And they all knew it was about them, not me. And when you do that, that's when the real magic happens. And uh, you know, that's what we were talking about today. It's the, it's the stuff you can't see, but you can feel it. That that's where the rubber meets the road with coaching. So true. So true. Circle back on, uh, you were talking about this earlier, training for warriors. Can you take a moment, where'd that vision come? I love it. I mean, it's it's a global brand. Uh, it's world, you, you've traveled all over. You've built this brand. There's a system behind it. But I, lo- I love it. I'm just I'm kind of like, was creeping on you a little bit, right? Checking out where everything's at. How'd that vision, and tell us a little bit about that story. Well, it's interesting that as we were building the Precy Speed School, I think that gave me an incredible uh, education on building an organization, building a team, having a system, how to systemize it all, how to replicate it. And and, it, and, and that was an incredible experience and something I'm still so proud of to see how Precy's is still to this day helping it. Where we moved in Charlotte was to at where they had a training for warriors and a Parisi's in the same spot so that I could be around both. And with training for warriors though, what was interesting is how it all started is I wrote a self-published book called training for warriors. And that thing took off. It, it was just this hot idea at the right time. I think in particular, the warmups and the metabolic conditioning that was just, you know, the CrossFit movement was in its infancy, but these were very similar style workouts that I was developing for the mm. fighters. 
And that started something it got popular. And then I got a phone call one day from one of the largest publishing houses in New York City, HarperCollins. And they said, can you come down for a meeting? And I was like, yeah, I train judo right near the building. How about this day? So I went over and I meet the publisher and he's got the book on his desk, the self-published one. And he said, hey, we're watching this thing. We want to know, you want to do this thing for real? Like you want to, you oh, want to wow. do, you want to do this thing, make That's this thing cool. great, but get it around the world. And uh, same thing. What do you say when somebody says that? <laughs> I was like, sign me yeah, up. Yeah, I am in. And uh, so I became, I got this big advance. You know, it's funny. I called one of the NFL agents that was such a good friend of mine. He still is today that, because I called him. I said, hey man, they gave me this contract to write this book. What should I do? He goes, what should you do? Sign it. You're nobody right now. Like, what are you nuts? Like, do it. And so we did the book for real. And then that became a passport around the world. So when the original book, called Training for Warriors with Harper Collins that published it. Man, it was this beautiful, full color, 400 page book. And it really encompassed the warmups and the training. And, pe and But here's what's interesting. I started getting invited around the world to speak on Training for Warriors, but, oh, okay. but it wasn't fighters in the crowd. It was coaches, fitness enthusiasts. It was, and then I realized, wow, this isn't you don't have to be a fighter to do this. This doesn't have anything to do with punching yeah. people in the face, but it works. So what's really cool about what I always say about training for warriors is it's organic, meaning I found something that worked for help to help people lose fat, build muscle and feel better about themselves. And, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking to try to help my fighters win more fights, but instead I found this and at those seminars, people would start to ask, hey, could, could we run this program here? Hey, could we do this when you're gone? And I didn't, that, so here's the, the crazy twi plot twist. It was never my idea to have training for warriors all over the place. Wow, that's It was crazy. organic. It was people wanted it. They said, could we do this? And so then I had to figure out all that and, you know, how do you, how do you set up the company for that? So at that point, I didn't have any of those things. Mm. Then we started selling licenses. And now a decade and a half later, you know, there was a point we had 350 pre-COVID around the world. And some of them, like we met the guy today, right? Like there was a kid at my talk today. He's like, oh, I was in Denmark this year and I went to a really good one there. And so it's become this incredible joy for me now where it's something that grew because people wanted it. But now one of the things that really keeps me going and kept me going during COVID was the emails that I received from people around the world that are being impacted by this program, that it's not me training them, but they're impacted by it and their lives are better because it got created. And that's still an incredible feel good. And, and, and to be clear, these aren't you know, again, I call everybody an athlete, but these aren't college athletes. These are, you know, people that are 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight or people that just want to get their fitness back or, you know, drink a little less or get control of their sleep or have a stress release. These are the people it's, it's helping mm. so many more than that. And that's what I found is, Hey, it's only so many fighters, right? UFC fighters, but man, there's a hundred million people out there that need help. And I'm glad that the system is helping them. Um, Take a moment and talk about your books for a minute, because that that that's the part that you're married. You got four kids, four daughters. That's a lot. You're you're a speaker. You run a facility. You've worked with all. The, how did you find time? Like, go into the process. How do you write books, Coach? Like, yeah. Well, well. Here's what I, here's what I would say. Twenty four hours is a really long time if you do the math right. And here's what I mean. Hey, eight hours of sleep. It's a non-negotiable for me. I got to get it. But that means, hey, eight hours minus 
24, there's still 16 hours in a day left, right? Now let's say even I really dedicate myself for a couple hours working out. So I still got 14 hours left because that's another non-negotiable. I'm going to get my sleep, going to get mm -hmm. my training in, right? Now let's say like an average workday, even if you did, somebody got it, is eight hours, right? Even if I got that, well, boom, I've worked a full day. I've slept the full night. I got my workout in for myself personally. There's still four or five hours free every day, right? That if you use it wisely. Now, what I think happens is we all have that window, but what do we do? We watch Netflix or we, we zone out, zone out, get right. on social media, look at other people's lives. And what my secret was is I, Hey, I missed a lot of movies and don't ask me what I watch on Netflix. Cause I don't, but what do I do? I write and I read. And in those, in the, that span of time, I was, every time I would read and somebody else watches a show, that was how I continued to move forward. So I read for many, many years before I ever decided to write. And then when I started writing, man, a little bit adds up, right? Like you write a couple pages a day, which I bet people do that in just texting someone else. Oh yeah, Now easy. imagine you devote it to, you know, that could be say 15, 20 pages a week, man, in a month, you got a 200 page book, you know, yeah. if you were writing. So, so what does it come down to? I was just very, very disciplined for a very long time. And now those books yeah. are there and they're helping a lot of people. And, uh, but yeah, and it's deciding on your non-negotiables. Like you see how I, my sleep is not expendable. My workouts are not expendable. My time with my family is not expendable. Those are all things that I are going to happen. Yeah. Those are your big rocks. You're yeah. not moving them. And then, right. And then see where, and, and where the other stuff fits. The thing, the thing too, I keep, this has been for the season. We're, we're both, I think we're the same age. Like we're in our early fifties, obviously, but as the world has grown and changed, especially coming through this pandemic and social media has changed so much in so many people's lives. I mean, with kids now, like what they said, screen time went up 200% over the pandemic with, with young people. And you're seeing it in, in the workplace now too. Like, and I don't know if you've ever read Cal Newport's book, uh, Deep, Deep Work. Work. Yeah. But that's what I'm hearing you saying today more than ever. It's so hard because really what we're talking about, you want to do something that changes the world, that makes a difference in somebody's lives. It makes, but you can't really do deep work, right? In these little 15, 20, 30 minute, you've got to get the distractions aside. Doesn't mean you can't do some of that eventually, but you've got to get locked in and focused where you can do this and it build that rhythm consistently consistently in your life to do something that's world class and so absolutely and and think about it it's it's the truth for anything if you want to be great at anything i say a lot of things like hey before you can stack dollars you got to stack hours is what i say. you know i say that one and then uh what you just mentioned there whether you some people call it the 10,000 hour rule or whatever else. Like, where are you going to log your time? Like, what are you logging it on? No one's going to pay you to watch Netflix, right? No. Like, or no one's going to pay you to scroll through other people's social media. So, and here's a biggie, and you're going to like this one. As I'm getting older, I am worrying way more about my lifts and way, or way less about my lifts and way more about my legacy. And that one hit me when I was yeah. just talking at the NSCA. I said, you know what? I remember when like how much I lifted was like a big deal in my life. Now, you know what? I'm worried about how, when I'm gone, what did I, did, what difference did I make? Whether it was through the writings, the so businesses, true. through my children. And so everybody listening, if you're in your 20s or 30s, 
take that as a, if you know you're going to think like that later, start thinking a little bit more earlier like it. You know, like, hey, what what are you going to do that says you were here? What are you going to do that you will be remembered by? How will you have left this place better than you found it? And And you know what? I feel pretty confident already the body of work that I have put together, which is, you know, now as I'm looking back as prodigious from, you know, there were these DVD series we did and, and hundreds of podcast episodes, a dozen books, a thousand, you know, whatever YouTube video, just so much content that I've put out there just to help people that I know, you know, I, I did my part mm. and, 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 and I'll keep saying it. I'm not any more talented than anybody listening. I just put in more time maybe, and that anybody could do. So you could do it too. It's good. I, I think too the, the one way I've kind of I love how you said the leg the lift and legacy. I've never heard that, but I kind of always, because it, it's so true. Like in my life, you're speaking my language now. Like as you get older, it's funny how you just your perspective changes, but your priorities, what you deem as valuable as important to you as a coach and as a as a dad, as a husband, um, as a leader, right? What's important to you changes, and so you start thinking about when you're younger. It's all about success. It's about you. It's about your platform, your your influence, your money, your title, right? But as you get a little older, it's about significance. Like, how can I help others come to that next level? And that's so important, uh, especially as you get you know a little older in your career. So I've, th- I've thought about it a lot, and you just took us on a, a it is a journey, right? Like when I was in my 20s and 30s, what Mm -hmm. I say is, hey, in order to log all that time, you got to be selfish a little bit, right? Like I've worked with Olympic athletes. You want to know who the most selfish people on earth there are? Olympic athletes. But they have to be because if they're worried about everybody else, then they cannot achieve. Yeah, they can't achieve that. So for everybody listening, there's a path here, but eventually whatever it is you've garnered, you have to become selfless and give it back to the point. So when Donnie said, hey, can you come talk to the team? I was like, yeah. And I think I even wrote like, man, because I want to give back. Like, it'd be really cool to give a quick talk that I wish I would have had 25 years ago, right? And and ultimately, hey, we got to all learn through our mistakes. But yeah, eventually you're not going to be measured by what you got. You're going to be measured by what you gave. Mm. And and that's the challenges. And you can start that now versus, you know, who I was. I was the kid that I'd get a new technique or I'd find a new exercise and then, like, keep it to myself. Think think I'm stronger by not sharing it. And then when I really started sharing everything through the books and the DVDs, that's when everything grew. The opportunities grew. The, the people that could help it with. So just saying that to everybody, hey, no matter what field you're in, you didn't invent anything. You didn't invent. Maybe right. you innovate something a little, but we're all dying to be inventive or creative. No, go out there and help pe- coach people with the stuff you got, you know? Good stuff, Coach. Coach, you are a master motivator <laughs> for sure. How do you motivate, if, you know, the unmotivated? Yeah. I mean, how do you give us a little wisdom on, like, work? Because, I mean, I, I work with teams still at Texas. Our, my staff does. You know a lot of coaches in the field. How do you reach those kids, those athletes that just don't maybe like training or whatever? Speak into that for a moment. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and it's funny, right? If anybody is listening that's not at Texas, they might say, wait a minute, there's athletes that are so great they could be at the University of Texas and they don't 
and they're not motivated? And, and the answer for everybody is yes. You'll see it a lot. Oftentimes, one of the biggest curses is to be born with such natural gifts and talents that you never had to actually really work that hard that then you never develop that habit. But to answer it, so the word motivate, really look at the two words in there. There's motive and action, right? Like so, so you're not going to be motivated if there isn't something that you want. So what it, what I always say, motivation starts with, uh, yeah, three words. You ready? So this is the, the start of motivation. I want that. I want that. So what I always found was my initial meetings with athletes or ongoing meetings, I, I got to find out what they want. Like, what is it you want? Like, what is important to you? And then all I do is take the steps to either help them get there or make them better that they get there themselves. And I think it's an important question that maybe we don't do that enough that oftentimes we might just say, oh, they're on this team and, oh, of course, they must just want to win a national title. And, and well, no, that might not be any personal driver for a kid, but maybe there's something they want, right? And And if you could help them reach it, then you're on their side and that's how you build that trust and you really know them and then they maybe don't want to let you down, right? So so I'd always say one of my secrets was, in particular, I always tell the story with the NFL Combine because you get these kids, right? I might get 25 kids a year. Every one of them wants to make it and every one of right. them wants money and every one of them. And I would say, okay, none of those are enough. What do you want? Like, what do you really want? Why do you need to make it? Why... Why? And they would always come back first. I want money. Nope, not enough. I want to play in the NFL. Not enough. Oh, it was my family's dream. Not enough. And then you would start getting the real answers. You know, the real ones like, hey, uh, I, I grew up in the murder capital of my state. My mom and sister are still there. My dad's been killed. If I don't get them out, they're never getting out. Then it would be, hey, I just had a child and it was the holidays and I had no money for gifts. I, I'm never going to be embarrassed like that again. I'm never going to let that happen. I have to be a good dad, better than a dad that I was. You know, meaning the deep stuff, these real, these real visceral answers. One that always sticks in my head, it was, he said, my brother just committed suicide and, and uh, no one saw it coming and I want to make sure I make it so we can create a foundation that never happens to somebody again. And, and you know what? Number one, now I understood him. And they were showing the real, now that's something real like that. Now, Hey, you're going to, you're going to slack at your workout. Now you're not going to eat right. Are you going to miss out on your sleep? And I'll remember it. And I could use that to help them, not as a technique, but to help them. So then if they were slacking, I could say, Hey man, you're letting your like family down right now. Like, didn't you say this was important to you? Like, come on, like you, you said why, and then get them right back on course. And I'll tell you what, the three stories that I just shared, every one of those guys made it and played for a long time. And then there were guys that were more talented than them that either made it or didn't, but didn't stay long because they didn't know why they were doing it. So, so the heart for everybody listening, the heart of motive is I want that. Like, what is it you want? And most people, when I ask them, they don't know. Like, that's what's so crazy. If you say, like, what do you want? They'll just give you some, you know, oh, I want to, you know, like, yeah, let's win a national title. Or, hey, I want to I want to be a starter. Or, oh, I wanna, you know, and it's like, no, like, what's the real stuff driving you? Yeah. And. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's deep. But that's that's what I think coaching is, right? Like, make that connection. I think, too, Coach, this is, uh, you, you're getting, you're, sing, you're kind of singing my language here. But, like, what is the dream, right? And I think today... Oftentimes, again, we have kids. I work. We work college kids. They don't always have a dream, you know. They don't know really what they want. To your point, they really don't. 
But if you can find and help a kid find a dream, like that just changes. I, I mean, my in my own house, I've seen it, you know, coming through COVID. Uh, one of my daughters really struggled through that. But then here, like coming out of it, she's found like what she wants. And coach, she's come alive. And the, she's completely transformed. A, I want that. That's what a dream is. It, it, I'm and telling it's you. It's so cool to see it, yeah. you know. And you know what it is too for everybody listening because we're doing, you know, we're talking about athletes, say 18 to 21. Remember what that is in brain development and the development of a person in those years too. And a lot of times the dream changes, right? Because remember when we're young, the parent, you know, it's, I think a parent's job or a coach's job, help. they got to help form the dream at first. And, you know, I'm speaking from personal experience. My one daughter, there was this dream like, hey, be a college track and field athlete. And, and, and we did everything in our power and she did it. And then I think once she got there, the dream was hollow. You know, it wasn't either fun anymore or it wasn't, okay, she achieved it. And it was almost, now what? You know, and I think we have to also make sure when we're, when we say those dreams, I guess I'm cautioning everybody, even I made the mistake, oh, national title or, oh, I want this body fat. Hey, remember, there's going to be a day sports is over, right? Like sports is going to end for everybody. I don't care who you are. Usain Bolt, it ends, right? Like, you know, like you can be on top of the world for a very long time. For everybody, it ends. And then what is their identity or what's their dream then, right? And I think it's our job to also start having those conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Like now with my daughter, as she's transitioning out of sport, it's kind of like, well, now we're having those conversations. Well, what do you want? What's the dream? You know, and 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 I would have never saw it coming. She said, "I want to, I want to go to dental school." And I'm, you know, in my head, I <laughs> I don't see that one. But now she's so she's applying to school. She's making these changes. She's really excited and happy. So again, to your point, the dream or the I want that stimulates everything. But no, for everybody listening, the dream changes. Like the dream just doesn't have to be sports and that's it because that is hollow. It eventually ends. Or if somebody has an injury or, or something happens, there's got, eventually they have to have other dreams too. And, and we can also help them with those. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember years ago we met with a guy on retirement. And I've always kind of, I've never, I don't know, just, I know what your thoughts on. I think I know what your thoughts are, but just I've never thought of like I don't know if I ever ever want to really retire, because <laughs> um, I've just seen too many people that it doesn't go well for them. Yeah. And I remember this guy. We were sitting across the table, and this you know this financial investor he goes. He asked a question, and it it threw me for a loop. He goes, "How long do you want to live?" And I go, "That's kind of a morbid question," and I never had thought about it. But now when I walked out of that meeting, I go, "You know, he's got a point." Like, what's your goals and like, what do you want to achieve? And he 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 basically told us, people are living longer now. Yeah, technology, more awareness, getting health checkups, people are just healthier. And he goes, you need to think about like what kind of lifestyle you want. Yada yada yada. My point being too, like my go switch it over to my 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 father in law. He told me this true story when he retired. He worked for the U.S. Postal Service for thirty plus forty years. And he had a supervisor that when he retired, after several weeks, he showed back up at the parking lot early. This is four something in the morning. And he looked over one morning, pulled into the lot, and his supervisor goes, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I just was in the neighborhood going, knowing you weren't in the neighborhood at four in the morning. <laughs> this guy didn't have nothing to do. Nothing to do. And sad story ends up like they end up having to talk with him because he would go inside and distract everybody. Didn't know what to do. 
And then they had to kick him out because he didn't have nothing else to do. He's retired. And he ended up, I think, committing suicide. And my father-in-law looked at me one day and he said this. He goes, look, you need to have something that you're not retiring from. You need to have something to retire to. Yeah. And he's that guy. If you've met him, Coach, Coach Rooney, he's a hunter. He's a fisherman. But he can't, he's getting older now. Now he's into like uh, gardens. And like he goes, man, if I'm going to be a gardener, I'm going to be the best gardener. <laughs> His food is so good. But to your point, you've got to have in these seasons your life, right, especially in coaching and athletics, you gotta have a dream. You gotta have something you're, you're reaching well, for. Well, the the one you're talking about there, and I agree 100. We were talking before. I was the personal training, you know, guy with Phil Sims for a long time. Where Chris, his son, played at Texas. That's how I got here for a while, which was cool. And uh, I would ask Phil. I'd say, why do you work so hard? You know, because once his Super Bowl MVP career was over. He went to work as a sportscaster, and if anybody knows anything about it, it's not like you just show up and call a game. You're showing up days before the event, studying and memorizing everything. It's so much work. It's so arduous. And I remember he told me, he said, hey, 24 hours is a long time to have nothing to do. You know, 24 hours. You can't play golf 24 hours a day. And so for everybody listening, I think my personal philosophy is the idea of retirement is a it's a sham. Actually, it's, hey, work at some job you hate till you're 65 and then then go enjoy yourself, which never happens. So instead, it should be work at a job you love that you're passionate about your whole life and kind of never stop working, right? Always have purpose. So I think instead of now we would replace that word dream with purpose. And today, I've always said, what is my purpose? And mine is like I believe I'm I'm out there to educate and and entertain while I do it, in particular in the area of exercise, right? So I create enlightenment, empowerment, encouragement. Like that's what I say, like my personal mission statement is. And today you saw it, right? Like so yeah, today, oh, yeah. so I was right on purpose. So you keep, you know, so for everybody listening, Donnie will keep saying, Hey, are you tired, man? Hey, do you want to take a break? Hey, you know, maybe we don't right. have to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, Working No, it. no, I'm no. But what I'm saying is I'm, when you're on purpose, you got boundless energy. Wait a minute. I could share ideas that can encourage somebody or empower them or fire them up. That's what I do. Like I figured out that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's through the book. So everything is an extension of that. The books, the podcast, the speaking, any of it that I do, my coaching, that's what I understand is my purpose. So if I get to do that, let me do it. Now, if you take me to Ikea, you're going to see a pretty sluggish me because I don't want to be there yeah. with my wife checking out window treatments. But the, <laughs> but the, but so what are, you know, again, I think the big lessons everybody should be hearing there, and these are life lessons, depending on what stage you're at, is find something you're super passionate about, figure out a way that you can spend your time doing it and getting paid and then do it forever. Because, Hey, I've seen some crazy studies where if you look at the number of people yeah, how long they live after they leave their career. It's not good. Yeah, it no, is not, not good, good because their career was what they liked, or or it is something good. So why why get out, Coach? I just I mean I'm I echo your 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 words there. I just don't have any dream or passion to retire and sit and watch TV. <laughs> yeah, like that's or, or not. Do, yeah, or do what? Go to yeah. the coffee shop. Or to your point, like there's I heard one guy say recently, you can only sit on the beach. And look, I mean, I love the beach and I like going there, but I don't want to like just yeah. be there and that's it. No for way. The rest I would of lose stuff. my, yeah, I would lose right. my mind. And it's actually interesting. Uh, uh, I wish I could remember how he said it, but I met with uh, James Lair, the, you know, the guy that wrote Powerful Engagement. He you know, the father oh, of yeah. sports psychology, yeah, father of sports psychology. We spent a day together and, uh, 
And he was talking about these concepts because he's older now. I think he's in his 80s and man, still going. And and I was impressed by that and asked those questions. And he almost had a physiological explanation for it too, that it was something about, it was almost, uh, he equated it, if I can remember, like imagine if we were tribal, like, you know, if you go, if we're trying to explain this with a, you know, a DNA model, you know, or something. And he would say, hey, when in the tribe you became ineffective anymore. You got so old that you were just not effective or there was no purpose for you and you you couldn't help anymore. Mm-hmm. It was actually advantageous to the tribe for you to pass away because now they don't, you're not wearing them down or bringing them down in some capacity. And I think it was almost as if that maybe there's this mechanism that when you would just have nothing, something with your energy levels or, you know, your health, all of it just deteriorates because it was almost like he was trying to explain that concept of, why, why is it that somebody retires and then, man, within a handful of months, you know, somebody that was healthy is now, you know, their health is in jeopardy. So, you know, regardless of whether you subscribe to the idea or not, what we cannot uh, not agree with is that purpose fills you with energy, right? It doesn't steal your energy. It fills you with it. And so you got to figure out what that is. So here's a great line. Another, we're, we're, there's a lot of knowledge bombs today. You, you, if you've ever heard this one, it's your, the purpose in life is to find your life's purpose. So really the purpose of life is to figure out what yeah, your you purpose search, is. Yeah. yeah. It's going to take you time. Everybody's going to go through different jobs, careers, stuff, people, but man, when you find it, you know it. And I'll tell you from experience, you'll have boundless energy. It'll lead to great adventures. And there won't be a day that you're laying around wishing you had nothing to do. Yeah, a good friend of mine, coach, to, to kind of jump on that. He coaches at Florida State still. And he had developed uh, a decent relationship with Bobby Bowden. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bobby Bowden, is, he passed away uh, not too long ago. But one of the things he, got, he took away from Coach Bowden was like what you just said. Like he always was in the coaching profession and always helping kids, like pouring into them, mentoring them, being around these kids and giving back. And it kept him young, coach, yeah. because he found, he knew his purpose. And one of my favorite quotes on um, on kind of your purpose is like, your career is what you get paid to do, but your calling is what you were made to do. And that's that's something I think that resonates. I hear you saying that resonates with me, like coaching is a calling. Like you're, it's not something like I'm just, yeah, I want to get paid. I got to pay bills, but man, it's something I was made for. So, and, and everybody needs to find out what that is because oftentimes either our parents or society pushes us into something or we just find ourselves somewhere, right? Like, look what happens. Hey, you got to get a degree in something, but I'm not sure what I want. Well, I'll get it in this. Well, now I got to get a job. Well, that's what my degree's in. I'll get it in that. Hey, so everybody should be happy that, uh, coach Mabe's not uh, teaching art right now. He's coaching. (laughs) Because I saw that in your bio, I right? know, right? Like, and no, I was like, yeah, that's funny. I was like, whoa. Yeah, but yeah. funny the, story that I got. You talk about being coaching and being a football player in SEC. <laughs> they did a story on me one time at Georgia back when I was. This is back in the early nineties. Picasso and pads. I was so humiliated, coach. It was terrible. <laughs> no, well, it, well, and it's a, hey, but you see, I doing the. Uh, I was just showing off the chainsaw carving. I love and, and it goes back to your point too of how you were saying find an outlet or, or, you know, like the, what you were saying about your father-in-law and the gardening and stuff. I said, man, if I'm going to learn to do this thing, I'm going to try to be great. Coach, you go visit my father in Atlanta and he will give you a two-hour lecture on 
gardening, yeah. what kind of food. But do you see how that's keeping him he's going? He's so passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to find, see my dad, my dad's thing, he's just this avid reader. And I'll tell you, both my parents were business owners. And when they both retired, I've watched their help, health deteriorate. And man, it's almost been like my job to find things to keep them interested in. So I'll find authors my dad likes or books that right. he likes or whatever. And I'm constantly feeding them to him to give them a reason to have something to be doing because yeah. So the message guys don't get seduced by the idea that you're working so hard to someday have nothing to do. Uh, a wealthy person is not somebody that has nothing to do. It's the person that has the whole day to do the stuff that they like doing. They enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Coach, almost done with the show today. You have been so awesome. Want to touch on one of my favorite topics here. Talk about family for a minute. <laughs> Coach, how do you balance? Um, one one of the big trends that I'm reading about, hearing about in a profession right now, people are leaving in droves. Tons of hours, burnout, pays low. You know, how do you manage your job, your career? You seem like, I mean, awesome uh Beautiful wife, marriage, girls, super busy. How do you do that, Coach? Speak to that. And it, it's funny, Coach. I get that question a lot, and it's the same. And it's worded the same way. They always say, "How do you balance everything?" And I've learned to give this answer. You ready? The, the short answer: I don't. I knew right? it. You I know. So, it. so here's what it is: Life is a giant balancing act. Now, from for everybody listening, this is the perfect audience to tell it to. My theory on this: If I was, even if I'm walking forward. In order to move forward, I have to first put myself off balance. Mm -hmm. Then the foot's got to get under me. I'm sort of balanced. But then because my momentum and inertia is going forward, I'm off balance again. And I'm on balance. And I'm off balance. And if you pictured it as if I were on a tight rope, and now I'm a little to one side and a little to the other side, sometimes I'm going to be on the left. Sometimes I'm going to be on the right. And here is what I would say. In order to have built my career, there was stuff I had to sacrifice. There have been things I've missed different events, uh, from a little daddy daughter dance to, you know, that I wish I, you know, man, they don't let me forget about to, it could be games or something else, but there were things that in order to provide for my family or to, to allow us to do those things, I had to do some of that. And, uh, definitely what I would say though is, but when, what I learned was the way to even though you're going to be off balance and you have to do these things. So when you're at work, be at work, but man, when you're at home, be at home. And the concept that I think, I think I still have, I battle with all the time is being present, right? Like I, I say in the future, cause you've already talked about the distractions, the screen times in the future, focus will be a person's real superpower. Like you said before, the deep work, like we're, we're, we're saying those same lines that when, what I have really honed is my ability to focus on whatever I'm doing right then in that moment. Like if you notice today, like today we're, we're enjoying our time together from the podcast to walking out there, everything else, the speech that I, you know, everything, whatever I'm doing in that moment, I'm trying to always hone in on being able to be great in that moment. Right. So that when I'm with my kids, I'm with them. I'm not sitting on my phone and not paying attention yeah. or something else. And, and it takes discipline, right? It's hard. But what I would say is there is there is no such thing as balance, right? Right. It's it's going to be making decisions at the time, but whatever you decide, go be great right then. Because the worst mistake you could make is you're at work worried about home, and then when you're at home, you you're not with them because you're worried right. about what didn't happen at work. And uh, 
then you're just distracted everywhere. So definitely for anybody listening, it's, hey, how much, you know, how much are you focusing? Maybe a little meditation or journaling or doing a little of your own writing, but then, or putting the tech away and really spending the time. And, and you know what's funny? You reminded me today that with our girls, we used to take the phones every night at, say, a certain time, and they plugged in in our room, so we just got them away from them because we don't know how That's to control so this. This is uncharted yeah. territory. And, That's a boundary. But yet now yeah, it's good. they're getting older, and you know now it's like they have them again, and you know what? I'm, I'm seeing it that – Man, it's that's where they live like that. So we're gonna have to figure yeah. out how to overcome that in the future. The phone thing, right? I mean, I know that's kind of like everybody rants about that, but it's like I heard a guy say one recently. I listened to a book, and he was talking about phones. How is a device that's supposed to make our life so much better has taken away from so much of life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, if you to your point, if you let that become a master versus a tool, yeah, it can it cannot be good for your life. But if you use it as a tool can definitely enhance. Yeah, which so. we did today. We got some really good pictures. I <laughs> know. Uh, Donnie had Donnie had my phone in his hands a lot of times today. I did. I but you see how that's how we're using it. Like, hey, I I've not it's checked email or social media or anything today. That it's it's learning how to carve it out, but you know what it is? No one's teaching us how to do it. Like we're in like I said uncharted waters where there's no education book that comes with how should you use a how should a teenager use a phone or a college kid right. use a phone or not. And I'll tell you what, the sad part is, though, there's going to be studies that you watch in it five years or 10 years showing what we did to ourselves what by not knowing. Right. You know, that's good. Coach Rooney, it's been awesome. If <laughs> uh, our listeners want to reach out and connect, well, first of all, if you have not picked up his book, the, his latest two books, and it's Coach to Coach in High 10, correct? You can get that on Amazon. And so check those out. Where can our listeners, if they want to follow you, connect? What's the best way, Coach? Yeah, so uh, social media is usually the best way for me. So if you go to Instagram, I'm listed as the Martin Rooney, and you'll see some of my adventures. And I always put some. I always try to put a, a great. If you liked some of the stuff you heard today, I've always got something uh, to read that goes with the photo. And same thing on Facebook. I'm just Martin Rooney on Facebook, and you can, you know, they're all interlinked, so you can find it there. Good stuff. Also, check out Training for Warriors if you have not. Super awesome, cool. Uh, not only uh, brand, facility, but purpose, changing lives. So thank you for doing that, Coach. But it has been a pleasure to have you here. I've already gotten some breakfast tacos. Hopefully we'll get you some barbecue or Tex-Mex before you get out of here. <laughs> uh, but again, Coach, what a privilege. What a uh, what an honor to have you here no, today. Hey, so. hey, my pleasure. And hopefully if somebody did get something great out of it, let uh, Coach Mabe know about it and hook them. Hook them horns. Well, hey, that's it from Austin. And the team behind the team podcast, Coach Rooney, so awesome. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the team behind the team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.